0: Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the harbor. Yeah, would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this night. And God, we're just reflecting on the fact, you know, it says in the scripture that um, that Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so God, I'm just so encouraged because I know that there are people who have walked in here with burdens and heavy things on their heart. And I just want to encourage each person here that there is nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus. There is no circumstance more powerful. There is no difficult relationship more powerful. There is no sickness or disease no more powerful. Even you're your own heart, your own will is not more powerful. And so I just want to encourage you that that Jesus, he is here to, to rescue, to save every single one of us. It's, he's here to set us free. So God, I pray that every person here would encounter that freedom tonight. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you glad to be at the Harvard tonight? Awesome. Hey, uh, before you sit down, uh, take just one minute and just high five like four people around you. Tell them happy Thanksgiving. Tell them your favorite Thanksgiving food. All right. All right. You guys can go ahead and take, take a seat. Hey, welcome to the harbor. How was how is, how is your Thanksgiving? Awesome. Awesome. Very good to hear. Um, man, I, my, Katie and I, we were in North Carolina. We had a Uh, A special Thanksgiving for sure, a very memorable one, and we're definitely grateful to be uh, back with you guys in Florida. Um, I'm excited to be here tonight, and uh, actually we're going to uh, dive into a study of God's Word, and uh, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hands. Uh, One of our amazing Connect crew will bring you a Bible, and if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. A uh, quick update for you, uh, especially for those of you on this side. I apologize. Our projector's out, so we only have one over here. I'm sorry about that. Uh, if you picked on that side, tough luck to you. Um, but I'm told next week we're gonna get it back. Um, I also just want to say, like, man, make plans to be here next week for the worship night. Okay? Say okay. Okay. Like I really believe it's going to be so special. Um, I love worship. Worship tonight was just absolutely tremendous. And uh, we're going to worship some more at the end, but next week's just going to be special. I'm not going to say too much more, but uh, you're going to love it. And then uh, one more thing as the folks are passing out Bibles. Um, So next week, the 12th, is the last harbor of the year, as Tara said. However, um, on the 19th, very special, uh, important moment is happening, um, which is that uh, the ninth and possibly final Star Wars movie is coming out. we excited? Clap if you're excited. Okay, 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 cool. Um, And so uh, it's been like kind of a harbor tradition that we've always gone to to see Star Wars together at the end of the year when it's come out. And so here's what I want you to do. Um, We're going to the AMC in West Melbourne. It's the one that is uh, like in the same plaza as the uh, Sports Authority. Is it Sports Authority? Is that right? Academy, thank you. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry about that. Haven't been to either in a while, clearly. Um, and also the Target and the Ross. I call it Target because it sounds more classy that way. Um, so, we're going to the 7 p.m. showing. The way you can remember that is the harbor's at 7 p.m. So buy your tickets, because I'm pretty sure it's gonna like sell out really quick, and uh, we're gonna try to, we'll we'll go to um, to Culver's, which is right there in that plaza at 5 p.m., and then we'll scoot over to the movie at 7 p.m. Um, I already bought my tickets, so come hang out. It's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be a fun time, and uh, it'll be great. We excited about that? Yeah. Awesome, okay, cool. So uh, that being said, um, we are going to continue, and actually we're going to finish our series uh, on the subject of devotion. Everybody say devotion. Not, uh, somebody said demotion. It's not a demotion. Don't worry. It's devotion. And uh, let me just let you know what's going on here, because in the fall, we started with a series called One Thing. And the goal of that series was that we wanted to encourage every single person at the harbor that the greatest invitation that any of us have is that we get to have a relationship with God. And that sounds kind of obvious like being in church, but it was just a reminder of the fact that the most beautiful thing any of us have is an invitation to walk with Jesus. And so we want to make that the one thing, the greatest passion of our lives. And then as we've stepped into this series, Devotion, Devotion has been all about us creating space to really walk with God through the spiritual disciplines. And we've talked about the fact that the spiritual disciplines are not a way that you can earn God's love because God loves us all so much and, and he, there's nothing we can do to make him love us more or love us less. But the spiritual disciplines are a way that we respond to God's love and you can see on the screen here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 and it says this, it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. But it was not me but God's grace that worked through me. And so what we see here is that God's grace has allowed all of us to literally have our lives changed. Like the fact that you and I have salvation through Jesus Christ. The fact that we get to walk with the Holy Spirit, the fact that we, God is like changing our lives. Is anybody thankful that God is like changing them and shaping them? All of that, that's God's grace. And so we're not earning that. But we're encouraged through this scripture that we don't just want to sit by and let God's grace just sit there. But we want to work the gift that God has given us. And the way that we do that is the spiritual disciplines. And we sort of do these activities in our lives that teach us and help us to train ourselves to move towards God. But I love what Paul says. He says, even though I worked harder than them, it wasn't me, it was God's grace that worked in me. Isn't that cool that even when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're showing up to service or when you're in community, whatever it is, you're putting forth effort But how many people are thankful that it's not just you putting forth effort, but God's putting forth effort. And he is working. He is changing us and shaping us. And I love that. Okay, so that's kind of where we're at right now. And now we're going to dive into the final episode of our series on devotion. And we've talked about a lot of spiritual disciplines. We've talked about scripture reading, prayer uh, fasting, silence, and solitude, serving community evangelism. And tonight, we are going to talk about something that people do not like talking about in church, and that is is money. Yes, come on. All right, we got one hype. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting rockets applause or anything, okay? So tonight, the topic is the spiritual discipline of, of generosity. Generosity is actually a spiritual discipline. And if you've ever been in a church before that you got kind of sketched out when they talked about money, don't worry. We're not going to pass the offering plate. We're not going to make you feel bad. There is no thermometer that's going to be up here at any time. I'm not going to guilt you into anything. I just want to put to you and show you what the scripture speaks on, okay? You guys ready for that? Okay, cool. So I'm going to pray one more time for the reading of God's word and we'll dive in. God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for your word and your word talks a lot about money. And, and it, it's, it's near and dear to our hearts, which is why it's so important that we get it right. And God, I pray that you would just speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So turn with me, I think I already asked you, but turn with me to Matthew chapter six if you're not already there. Is anybody there already? Say I'm there if you're there. Okay, good, come on, you guys are crushing it, let's go. Okay, so Matthew chapter six is the famous sermon of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. It's his most famous sermon, and it's a collection of kind of some of his most famous teachings. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes off on a pretty long uh, sort of uh, collection of verses on money. And there's actually at least four things that he talks about, and we're going to talk about three of them tonight. But, But check out with me and read with me, if you will, Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. And Jesus says, he's speaking and he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the first thing that we see that Jesus starts talking about is he says that there are two locations where we can put our treasure. And you could actually put it this way, there are two locations where we could put our trust. Because wherever we put our treasure is ultimately where we put our trust. And the first thing that he says is that you could lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but what will happen is moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and steal. In other words, it will break, you will outgrow it, you will lose it, or someone will take it from you. And how many people know that that is literally what happens to everything we own? Is that right? Yeah, like it's true. Like, like all I have to do is show you the example of, like in my pocket right now, I have an iPhone 7. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. But the iPhone 7 came out like, like three years ago. And when I got it, I was like so excited about it. And how many people like are just when they're getting the new iPhone, who has like the newest, the newest of the new iPhones? Anyone? A couple people. I don't try. I'm not going to shame you or be like, you're so materialistic. Don't worry. Um, But like when you get that new iPhone, it is like the best thing ever. Like it's perfect. It's beautiful. You're like, like God created this himself. I know he did. And like you're amazed. You promise yourself you're never going to drop it. And then, like, the first time you do, like, you're just devastated. You're, like, checking it for cracks. You're, like, please, Lord, heal this thing. And then, like, but you've had, I mean, I had mine for, like, three years, and I'm, like, tossing it across the room now, you know? I don't, I don't value it at all. Like, the battery, I'm, wa- I can, you can watch the battery decrease on it. Like, it. like, it's, like, one of the entertaining movies. It's, like, it is going down so fast. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it, things break. Things, things fall apart. But what Jesus is saying is that there's actually a, a way that you can put your resources that's better than that. And that you literally can be immune from things breaking. You can be immune from things falling apart, or you outgrowing things. And that if you store up your treasure in heaven, if you put your trust in heaven, it's guaranteed to stay, to, like you're, you're not going to lose it. And it's guaranteed not only for this life, but for eternity. So let's keep reading Matthew chapter 6 verse 22, and it says this in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Okay, so this is actually probably the most confusing part of the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you have read this before and you're like, I pretty much understand a lot of this stuff, but this part I'm kind of confused about. And when you get to a confusing text, let me just give you a little tip about scripture reading. One of the best things that we can do is we can look before and after and discover what's before and after, and that can give us some clues to read what's there. And this, we see that before... Jesus was talking about money, and we will see that after he's talking about money, so we can c- conclude that this is talking about money. And he starts talking about our eye. And, and, and if you think about the eye, think about this. The eye is something that, I'm, I'm going to be real scientific here, you look at things through your eyes. I know, I did a lot of research this week. But, but think about this, we tend to look at things that, that we love. And those are the things that we delight to gaze upon the most. But but something about looking at something oftentimes can transform us and can change us. Like, it's interesting, if you think about it, in the Garden of Eden, Eve looked at the fruit. And when she looked at it, she desired it. Uh, in, In King David's time, it says that King David looked at Bathsheba. And this was not his wife, but when he looked, he wanted it. And he, he set his gaze on something and all of a sudden he desired that thing. Even, even for us as followers of Jesus, we are commanded and invited to, to look at Christ and to set our focus and our gaze upon him and he will transform us. And so here's the thing. What Jesus is trying to say is when you look at something, that something has the potential to affect your soul. It actually has the potential to change you and to transform you. And if you look at the world with eyes of greed, then your soul is actually gonna become darkness. But if you look at Christ and look at the world through the lens of Christ, your soul will be light. Now let's keep on reading verse 24. Jesus says this, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus, when he uses the term masters here, he is literally talking about like a slave master, like like someone owning someone else. Now, Jesus is not condoning or saying slavery is good. The Bible does not condone and say slavery is good, but Jesus is using an example from what people would have known and understood at the time. And what he's saying is, look, for for you and I in 2019, like we're familiar with having like two part-time jobs, right? Like we go to Publix and then like we work at Publix and then like Publix lets us off and then we go to Starbucks and we work at Starbucks. Like that's something that we have a familiarity with. But, But Jesus is like, look, like for those of them who were slave owners, like it wasn't like, oh man, like let me take off at 6 from my slave owner and go to my other job that I want to do. It was like no, like like they owned you. Like like you didn't have an option. And what he's saying is you can't have a part-time job of God and a part-time job of money. You can't be like I can kind of do a little bit of both. He's saying either one's going to own you or the other's going to own you. And this is what Jesus says about money. So as, as we're kind of diving in and, and chopping this up, I have three thoughts that I want to share with you if you want to take notes and write down about Jesus and how he wants us to view money. The, the first thought is this, that if you want to know what you love, follow the money. If you want to know what you love, follow the money. Now that phrase, follow the money, that's the title for my sermon tonight. But it's taken from a classic uh, American film called All the President's Men. Now, All the President's Men, Katie and I watched it a few weeks ago on a date night. All the President's Men is about these two Washington Post reporters who end up exposing this massive Watergate scandal during the Richard Nixon administration it led to richard nixon immediately or eventually getting impeachment charges against him and it led to him resigning from office now i know like in in today's day and age for us the idea like we can't imagine a controversial president who's getting impeachment charges so i know it's like that's it's like hard to imagine in today but just imagine, like, there was a time in America where there was this controversial guy in office. A lot of people loved him. A lot of people hated him. Who, and, and, like, just there, there was impeachment charges coming against him. Try to just, like, think about a time like that, okay? But in this time, these two Washington Post reporters, they, like, were, were trying to, ch- like, figure out, like, they knew that Richard Nixon was sketchy. They knew that he was doing some, some bad stuff. But they were trying to find the clues, and they ran up against a dead end, and they actually would have failed if it had not been for this sort of uh, secret uh, source that they had called Deep Throat. He didn't want to reveal himself, so he wanted to call himself Deep Throat, and this secret source in the movie, they're they're having this conversation, and the guy's like, look, I don't know like how to even find any more clues, like the, the trail's dead, and Deep Throat, he says this, he says, don't follow the myths, follow the money. He says, don't follow the myths, because listen, people will tell you things that aren't true. People will try to spin tales and sort of weave things a certain way, but don't follow that, follow the money. Because the money is going, you can't hide from the money. The money is going to lead you to what they are actually doing. And I think it's so interesting because that's not a concept that Deep Throat came up with. That's a concept that Jesus came up with because listen to what he says. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart is gonna be also. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And so here's what I want you to know and I want us to realize tonight is that like if you really wanna know what you love, follow the money. Like If you show me your bank app, I will tell you what you really love. And that's a heavy thing, because that means that I can actually trick myself. That I can tell myself, "Listen, I love God so much. I want to follow God with my whole heart. I'm excited about everything to do with God." But but my words can speak, but my spending can also speak, and my spending can tell me this is what I actually truly love. And sometimes. For many of us in this room, maybe our spending is telling us that truly what we love is comfort. Truly what we want to worship is the approval of other people and the, the celebration of other people and the worship of other people as they say, wow, Like look at the awesome thing that you have. Maybe what we love the most is a feeling of security that we have saved enough to, to just ensure that our future is secure. But what Jesus is saying is whatever you're spending your money on, that's what you truly love. Now, now this is interesting because I think there's a really beautiful part of this, too. And the beautiful part of this is there's actually a way to to love something more. And that's to put your treasure there. You see, I I got got a little silly illustration for you tonight. I hope hope it's kind of of like, I mean, it's like Microsoft Word silly, okay? But we're going to go with it. So what I have here is I have, I have treasure, okay? And this treasure is represented by the green dollar bill. And then I also have here, I have our hearts. You guys see the heart? It's, it's red. And I'm going to save this clip for Valentine's Day. I'm going to write Katie a love note on it. I'm like halfway there already. It's great. No, but, but here's the thing. I think a lot of times when we hear Jesus say, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we hear is, that's for other people. And we like to pretend, we like to say, okay, I can love Jesus. I can have a heart that is excited about the things of God and I can have that as part of my life here. And then I can also take my money section and I can keep that over here and I can keep them separate. Because God doesn't really need to know what I'm doing in my finances, and, and here's the thing, God does not necessarily care about your finances, he cares about your heart. But here's the reality, where your treasure is, your heart is. And so that's not actually true, this is actually true. We, what we have here is the same thing, we have money on this side, and we have the heart on this side. But here's the thing, you can't separate this piece of paper in half, like, you're not going to be able to take out some scissors and cut this thing so fine that you get the money and the heart separated. Wherever the money goes, that's where the heart goes. Now, this is really cool because, like, like I think about, like, this is just a quick, a, a quick marriage thought for you, okay? Most of us in here are not married, but maybe we want to be someday. And, and so tuck this one away. It's not like a generosity thing, but it's like, it's a cool thing to think about. Is like if I want to love Katie more, then I need to invest in her. I need to invest monetarily in date nights. She, this is like probably your favorite point I've ever preached, right? I need to invest my energy. I need to invest my resources. I need to invest my thoughts. I need to invest my attention. And as I invest, look what goes with it, my heart. See, our culture has it backwards because our culture says, when my heart's there, then I'll invest. But what God says is sometimes you have to actually invest, and as you invest in something, you start to have a deeper care and affection for it. But in the same way, so many of us in here would probably say, I would love to love God more. I would love to care about my relationship with God more. And, and the a, a way that you can do that, not the only way, but a way is is start investing your treasure towards heaven. And as you invest, your heart is naturally and automatically going to go with it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, so that's the first thought I have. The second thought I want to share with you is this, that we don't own our money, but we are actually stewards of God's money. We don't own our money, we're stewards of God's money and you know a lot of Christians they have a question like what is the correct view of money, right? Like should I be rich? Is it cool to be rich? Should I save and for retirement or should I just trust God and not save? Should I have like really nice things? There's a lot of nice things that we could buy. Should I buy something really extravagant like Hulu with commercial bri- with like the commercial breaks removed? Or should I like save three bucks and give the three bucks to the poor? Like, I don't know. And so there's a lot of questions about it. And the Bible has a lot to say about money. I'm just gonna share a few thoughts with you about money. First, God commands us that we should provide for our families, especially the men in the room that we're called to provide. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 5. It says that if anyone does not provide for his relative, especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith, And he is worse than an unbeliever. So we're called to provide for our family. Proverbs 6, uh, Solomon, he writes this and he says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I love the NLT. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor to rule and make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. So the scripture says it is wise to store up for a rainy day or to store up for later in life. To, to a point, that is. However, we also have to, oh, one more thing that, that we see throughout the scripture is that the Bible encourages us to enjoy life. In the Garden of Eden, God put a ton of pleasures. Throughout the history of the children of Israel, there were feasts and festivals that were there for people to celebrate and to enjoy life. Even Jesus himself, he enjoyed life. One of his greatest critiques that people had about him, especially the religious leaders, was that he partied too much. That he ate and drank with sinners. And so Jesus enjoyed life and we're called to enjoy life and it's not bad to use money to enjoy life. But there are also a lot of verses, many, many, about greed. And God actually talks a ton about greed. One of the most scathing you'll see here in James chapter. Five and look what it says in James five. James says, "Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible trouble ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags." See James picking up on this idea that Jesus talked about. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. Listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The wages you held back cry out against you. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord's heaven's armies. Now that's a heavy verse to read. And what James is saying is that there will be people on this earth that they brag about their wealth now, but in the day of judgment, they will be embarrassed about it. Because the wealth is pointing to the fact that the money is their idol and not God. And and there will be times when people's treasure will actually testify against them to God. And the scripture says that for those who are wealthy, there is a great danger of becoming greedy, of trusting in wealth, even of oppressing others. And trying to keep them down to keep yourself more wealthy. In fact, and I won't, I won't spend too long on this, but many of us in this room, like the reason that we in America have things relatively cheaply, like the reason we can buy super cheap, dope clothes, and the reason that we can experience cer- certain things very inexpensively is because there are people in other countries who are like working in sweatshops to produce things at really cheap costs. And we'll get into that more at another time, but it's important to even just think about that and consider that as we, as we look at this. Really what Jesus is saying is, and what James is saying is that for those who are wealthy and rich, it is harder for you than someone who is poor and who can rely on God. And that's just the reality of it. So what's the right approach? How do we actually view and move forward in this? Well, the right approach to our wealth is something called stewardship. Everybody say stewardship with me. Stewardship. The idea of stewardship is this, that everything that we own is actually God's. Everything. And that we have been given a gift by God to hold on to everything. And what God is actually saying is, I want you to manage and steward everything that I've given you well. It says this in Luke chapter 16, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And so what Jesus is saying is, whatever you have is a gift to you given by God. And therefore, you are called to take that and to use it well for God's kingdom. This is not just money. This is possessions. This is giftings, this is intellectual ability, this is health. Everything you have is a gift from God. And we're invited to use it for God's glory. And this is a powerful concept if you really think about it. Because if you have $27 in the bank right now and that's all you have, Maybe you're not gonna be able to donate $10,000 to a charity, but that is a gift from God and you can use it for God's glory. You can be a good steward. If you have a tiny room that you're renting from somebody and that's all the possession that you have, man, like you can still be a good steward of that. If you just got a raise that you never thought you would make this much money in your life, you can still be a good steward. And so for me and for Katie, one thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to look at every one of our possessions. And we're trying to say, God, this is given to us by you and we want to be a good steward. So for me, like Katie is a gift to me from God. And so I want to be a good steward of that and I want to invest money towards that. Our our unborn child that's going to be born in May, that's a gift from God. We want to be a good steward of that. The the house that God has given us, that's not just like our dope crib that we wanna like roll up in, like we wanna use that house for God's glory. And as we think about giving tithe and giving to ministries, as we think about, you know, even saving for the future, our goal in saving for the future is not to stockpile, but for us to actually use that wealth or use, use whatever we're saving. We're not, excuse me, we're not saving like wealth or anything but that we can give more generously in the future. So we're thinking about everything through that lens of stewardship. And honestly, we don't do it perfectly all the time. But it's important to step into that. I'm gonna ask the band to come back up as we wrap this thing up tonight. And they'll close us out. But the last thing I want you to write down is this, that God invites us into joy-filled generosity. God invites us into joy-filled generosity. I want you to think about the reality of when God moved in your life in a powerful way. I want you to think about maybe it was a church service, maybe it was youth camp, maybe it was a kids ministry. But whatever it was, think about that moment. Now here's the reality. I believe that most likely, chances are that moment was given because someone was generous. Probably someone that you don't know. Someone gave to that kid's ministry. Someone invested into that youth group. Someone even gave so that this building could be built. Someone gave so that that podcast you listened to could happen. God's kingdom advances because Christians are generous. That's how it happens. But here's the crazy thing about it is that could just be enough that it's like, wow, we get the privilege to advance God's kingdom. But the other reality is that when we advance God's kingdom, as we're generous, God blesses us lavishly. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. If you're a generous person, you will receive generously from God. And if you choose to live a stingy life, then you'll have a small life. And so even, man, as I'm talking to you about this, like as a pastor, like I don't need you to give. I, I want you to experience the blessing from God. Like the only time God ever says to test him is he says, test me in this, that if you bring your tithe, I will pour out my blessing upon you. It might not be monetary blessing, but God will bless you. And it's amazing. Like I would just say like as as I close out tonight, the thing that I would just encourage you is that, man, I really do genuinely, if you're choosing not to give, I, I feel sad that you're not choosing to give because you're missing out on so much of God's blessing and you can talk with Katie and I afterwards and we can let you know that man, God has blessed us so much. The last thing I wanna say is this, that we give because God gave. It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're all here because God gave us Jesus. We're all here because God gave us people to love us and serve us. So I just wanna invite you tonight as this song is playing, I wanna invite you just to consider and to ask God, God, how do you want me to give? How do you want me to step into giving generously to serve you and to love you? Let's pray. God, thank you for this night. Thank you for the fact that you have given so much to us. We only give because you have first given. May we respond in generosity. May we respond by not pulling into comfort or building an empire for ourselves. But may we respond by giving so that others could come to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.